Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart. Radio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Thursday. Uh, we 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 will be continuing on with the NFL team refresher, spinning the wheel of NFL teams, choosing a random one, and uh, just kind of breaking it down. What did they do last season? What do we expect them to do this season? What were the moves that they made? And what is going to be their kind of final record as we progress through their schedule? So we've done the Saints and the Broncos already. Saints not looking like a good season, and the Broncos, yeah, pretty solid. We got them at ten and uh, ten and seven, eleven. And, what do we got them at? Ten and six, ten and seven. We got seventeen games this season. That's gonna confuse the heck out of us all season. Hopefully not too long, but uh, so far a little bit. Uh, ten and seven and eleven and six for the Denver Broncos. So we'll see what the random team is today and go through that, and then uh, you know. Obviously, let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day because, I mean, oh my goodness, we got Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers truthful at the podium saying whatever he wants, folks. We quoted this as his kind of fuck it season. He's going to let loose because he kind of knows he's not going to be here next year. This is kind of the one and done year. This is it. This is it. Last year. So... Aaron Rodgers gets to the podium and addresses media, and we got a lot of great sound bites here from Aaron Rodgers. So we get to kind of get our first first kind of look inside of what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. Why was he holding out? Why is he upset with this Packers team organization? Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it the general manager? Is it just the organization in general? So we finally got to hear from the horse's mouth himself, and that's what we've been wanting. That's you know we called them. Turtle Rogers this entire offseason because we didn't really know, really didn't understand 100% of the reason why Aaron Rodgers was kind of being a little, how do I want to classify it? I mean, just kind of being a little frustrating overall, I guess. Uh, you know, why aren't you talking to your team? Why don't you want to play there? All of this. So we finally got our first kind of inside look. So let's run some of this tape right here. Do have it queued up for audio, so you should be able to hear this as we hear it. So let's just kind of see what he's saying. Let's break it down. Let's see what he's saying. Let's see what he's saying. Let's hear what, he, what he's saying, folks. So here we go. First clip up. The main, uh, the main um, quote here in this minute thirty soundbite is: Green Bay isn't a huge destination. They're coming here to play with me, with me. All right, here we go. Also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high-character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson. 
So right up the rip, he's basically Someone just kind of going about respect, about. and that's kind of going to be the general kind of narrative that Aaron Rodgers is kind of saying here. He's all about respect, which, which, which we've kind of known about. We knew it was never about the money. He doesn't need the money. It's all about respect in Aaron Rodgers' eyes. So once again, he wants to try and help this organization be a little bit more respectful, learn what they did in the past with these great veterans that the Packers had, and they kind of just tossed him to the curb. The way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated. Um, and some of the way the outgoing veterans were treated. Aaron Rodgers believes, hey, if you're one of the best, you should be treated like the best. You should be respected like the best. And that's kind of what we know about Aaron Rodgers. And if he sees some of his teammates, some of his kind of buddies on the team not getting that respect, it just kind of leaves a bad, sour taste in Aaron Rodgers' mouth of the organization as a whole. Just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, – players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, um, John Kuhn, Brett Good, TJ Lang. John Kuhn, okay. I don't know if he can do like John Kuhn with all these other, you know, Julius Peppers and Jordy Nelson. Like, I think John Kuhn was okay, but I don't know if he should be kind of regarded as these other greats. All right. But go, keep going, Aaron. What do you got? Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, guys who were, you know, exceptional players for us, but great locker room guys, high character guys. Maybe. Great locker room guys, high character guys, something that Aaron Rodgers kind of values heavily. Let's keep it up. Weren't offered a contract at all. Or Not even offered another contract or extremely lowballed, as he's saying. So once again, he wants these great players that he's been winning with, that they were able to kind of compete with the high level with, getting the money that they deserve, or just getting something at all. Or were, you know, maybe in my opinion, not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserved. Um, and then it so once again, that respect factor, Aaron Rodgers wants everybody that deserves respect that is contributing to high levels of play on the football field, winning consistently. He wants them all treated like with a lot of respect and all those players that he just named off, not getting the big deal, not getting a deal at all and not not even getting re-signed. Why aren't you re-signing those great players if they're working well with Aaron Rodgers? So once again, we're getting a nice little inside look on what Aaron Rodgers truly has his gripe with with this organization. So that's the first little uh, clip sound by here, and we got another one, so let's let this one play. A reporter, this was the question that was asked, and then we get Aaron Rodgers' response. So, reporter challenged Aaron Rodgers, saying, what do you want to be involved? Many of the players you wanted back ended up not having great years once they left. If the Packers didn't decide to move on from Favre, you wouldn't be here. And then this is what Aaron Rodgers had to say. I respect the question, Stone, and I think there's a lot of hypotheticals based on different things. Um, I understand that I'm here because Ted Thompson took a shot on me, but also can't compare the two situations when you look at the last years of Favre's career uh, here based, uh, you know, compare them to mine, especially leading up to 2005, it was a different situation. When it comes to personnel stuff, it's not all personnel stuff that I'm talking about. I just want to be involved in conversations that affect my ability to do my job. I just want to be in conversations 
that affect the ability to do my job. And, hey, I can get behind Aaron Rodgers 100% on that. I mean, this is what we've kind of, you know, we preach this all the time. We saw Russell Wilson this offseason wanting to have a bigger play in the offense role. And you should always be referring to your great players as a head coach, your quarterback, your running back, your wide receivers, the people that make the most impact on your team, especially the quarterback position. Hey, what do you want? What do you like about this offense? What is going to make your game easier? What is going to make your life easier? Who do you want to kind of be passing the ball to? Because Aaron Rodgers is the one doing it on the field and having to deliver the ball. So Aaron Rodgers needs, I mean, I don't understand why this man was never in kind of communication on what the team should be doing moving forward. So we can definitely understand Aaron Rodgers' frustration from that standpoint of he wants to have some say in what is going to affect him his play out on the field. And the fact that this Packers team was never giving him that opportunity, it's a little wild to even think about. We've heard from Bruce Arians. We've praised Bruce Arians last season about taking information in um, – just kind of notes from his other coaching staff. We know that he's got one of the kind of most diverse coaching staffs in the league. He took Brady's opinion on free agency in the draft. We heard from Bruce Aaron say, yeah, we, you know, we listened to what Tom Brady said that he wanted and what he liked. He had Bruce Aaron's had Tom Brady kind of evaluate receivers in the draft. And then Tom Brady gave Bruce Aaron's those notes. And Bruce Aaron's was like, yeah, we're going to heavily consider this. We're not going to 100% blindly follow you, but we will take your input and kind of weigh that decently heavy with our overall selection and what we're going to do moving forward as a team. So Aaron, you know, you don't need to follow 100% the players and oh, okay, well, Aaron Rodgers wants this guy. So we'll go out and get this guy because that's what he likes. No, you see what he likes. You kind of build it around what he's liking, what your strategy is, what you want the offense to look like. And it's, and it's a collaborative effort at the end of the day. And that's really what it should be. So Aaron Rodgers wanting to have kind of that say, I've got no problem with that. Big no problem with that. You should you should be actively looking for that kind of advice from your great players on your team. But let's get back to the uh, the sound here. Here we go. But I think I have a unique perspective being in a locker room and having been the starter here for 13 years and being here for 16 years. There's not many people who've been in a position of influence longer than I have in this building. So it gives me a unique perspective to shed light on how things work together. Uh, one of the most important things is chemistry and cohesion in an organization. And I think I can offer an interesting perspective. It's not where I need to have final say on anything. I never asked for that. I just want to be in a conversation. I'm interested. Right. I just want to be in that conversation. I don't want to have final say. I'm not here to have final say, but I've been here for 16 years. So, yeah, I got a, I got a pretty gosh dang good perspective here on what the team should be looking like, the culture overall. And he's going to say this in a second. Like, y'all haven't – nobody's really been here as long as I have. So, why the hell are you not taking my advice here? I know, Packers. I'm here. Y'all just got here. Matt LaFleur, you just got here. You just got here. And you're not even going to take some of my advice out here? It's a little disrespectful. So let's continue with the, uh, the sound. And how they look at certain players. And if they value character, if they value chemistry, if they value what they bring to the locker room. Um, and I think, yeah, some of those guys might not have had a great season in other places, but it's different when a Jordy Nelson has got me thrown in the ball. It's different when Randall Cobb's got me thrown. Yeah, and that's 100% true. It's like this, this reporter kind of, you know, trying to kind of say, well, Aaron Rodgers, these wide receivers that you're playing with aren't good. He said, or the reporter's question was, many of the players you wanted back ended up not ended up not having great years once, you, once they left. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, we we talk about fit 100% of the time here in the NFL. Everything's all about fit. Where did you get drafted? Did you go to a good system? I mean, can we talk about um, Josh Rosen? I mean, he was the number one quarterback drafted. And it was just maybe not the best fit. Maybe he can't play. It seems like he can't play because he's been traded around and he can't fit anywhere. But still, that initial fit is going to make or break you. Russell Wilson going to Seattle and getting to the Super Bowl, what, year two? That's all about fit. Patrick Mahomes lining up with... Um, oh man, what's his face? Andy Reid? That's fit all day. That's a, per that's a perfect match made in heaven for both the coach and the quarterback because of the system that Andy Reid likes to have. So, yes, maybe some of these wide receivers weren't having great success after they left the Packers, but... What, which quarterback resembles Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thrower of the football that there is in the NFL. So, yeah, there's going to be a little a bit of a drop-off in production on these other wide receivers. So, you know, that's a little bit of a, of, a, of a bogus kind of setup of a question to try to, you know, discredit Aaron Rodgers of wanting some of these players back or just wanting some of these players to just continue their career with the Packers and not just let them go. They were getting it done. I mean, we were, you know, we saw yesterday when we looked at the stats that um, of X wide receivers of the Packers that played with Aaron Rodgers, you know, Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson. And um, who was the other one that they just signed? Um, I got it up. Randall Cobb. I mean, those three players all playing on the same team. Together, we're still getting it done. Great production. You know, one had 1,000 yards. Maybe even two had 1,000 yards in each season. And then the third, the third option having six to 800 yards production receiving. It's real, real solid work out there. But it's Aaron Rodgers giving you the ball. It's a pass-heavy Green Bay system giving them the ball. So when you leave that kind of pass-heavy system, when you leave one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to go and play with an average quarterback, yes, your production will drop off very, very slightly. But let's get back to Aaron Rodgers and what he says. Uh, it's maybe a different motivation when some of these guys go elsewhere. You know, it, it is different to, to move to a new team. And, yeah, some of those decisions would have been different. But maybe bringing back a JP for, you know, $3 million in a one-year deal when he really desperately wanted to re retire as a Packer. When he desperately wanted to retire as a Packer, they kind of said, yeah, no, we're not going to give you that. So once again, Aaron Rodgers, a little frustrated there, would be like, why? Why? He's one of the best to do it here for our team, and you're just going to let him walk away when we can sign him on the cheap because he wants to be here? Aaron Rodgers saw the kind of revolving door of this Packers team, and he sees what is going to happen to him, especially when we just heard that the owner or the yeah the owner of the Packers or the president of the Packers, the GM of the Packers, said, um, you know, we didn't really ever take Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we didn't fill in Aaron Rodgers when we were going to draft Jordan Love. We, de we never let Aaron Rodgers in on our true intentions when we were drafting the quarterback. So Aaron Rodgers saw that as, oh, well, they're just going to let me walk. They're just going to let me leave as they let every other kind of great Packer over the last 15 years leave as well. So Aaron Rodgers, once again, has some great points here. Let's keep it up. Might have been a good thing to do. Maybe letting Jordy play another season here. You know, who knows what would have happened. Him mentoring Tay and, and allowing him to take the mantle of the, of the number one receiver and, and how the locker room could see that humility and be inspired by it. I think that's often uh, not given enough credence is how important that is. You know, veterans leading by example, um, by their attitude, how they conduct themselves and how they show the younger guys how to be a professional. And to me, that's worth something. It might not be worth... Nine million a year, which 
Okay, a little bit of a, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, do the own actions that you speak. It's like Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, you don't know how much the value of having a veteran presence in the locker room and just training the young guys. It's like, well, you weren't really trained in to be a professional with Jordan Love. So it's like, yeah, maybe practice what you pe preach a little bit. And I understand the situations with Aaron Rodgers, but at the end of the day, you weren't really there for Jordan Love, and now this man's kind of struggling out here. So, uh, all right, Aaron, a little bit of uh, kind of, you know, virtue signaling, but you probably should have showed it as well this offseason. He was scheduled to make that season, but he was willing to take a pay cut way down. And... I think it would have been worth it to keep guys like that. Or Charles Woodson, you know, Charles wanted to take a pay cut as well um, to stick around. And he obviously still played a high level when he left. He made a Pro Bowl in Oakland. And, and not to mention, 70% uh, Charles Woodson is, you know, a, an incredible player for us. Just what he brings from a leadership standpoint, from a professionalism, toughness, you know, being able to be a part of conversations like that. Alrighty, so that was clip number two. We got clip number three right here. I believe some of this is uh, this one's four minutes. I believe the first maybe couple minute minute or two was the same. So we'll have to skip uh, through it to get to the new sound bites. But let's see what we get on this one. This and this one's really low, so I definitely apologize for this. This is the highest I could go. I don't know why Sport or ESPN tweeted out this low ass volume clip. But let's uh, see if we can make it work. Here we go. So once again, like we heard, you know, he just wants to have a say in what's going to affect his job and wants to try to correct some of the past Packers mistakes of just kind of ha how they handled some of the great talent that was here in Green Bay and let them all just walk with kind of no respect. Once again, kind of going, you know, why he's playing the season because of his legacy. He doesn't want to be a lame duck quarterback after an MVP season. Maybe trying to go back to back to beef up that legacy resume. Aaron Rodgers knows the game, folks. Here we go. Let's keep it up. And that is, that's probably the most alarming thing I've heard. He's never had a say in personnel free agent decisions ever in his entire career. What? What? Never? What the hell is going on there at Green Bay? Maybe we can truly understand Aaron Rodgers' frustration 1,000%. Why are y'all not giving this man a say in the personnel? I didn't think it was this bad, but it seems it could be this bad. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is 100% correct, folks. Maybe we were a little wrong calling this man Turtle Rodgers a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Uh, but let's keep on going here. 
tried to pass along information um, hasn't really been uh, used. <laughs> He's trying to pass along information that has not been used. <laughs> yeah, that would be frustrating, man, truly. When you're, you know, at the helm, you're the quarterback, you're kind of the main man there on the team, and you want to have a little bit of say of like, hey, this is what I think we should do at wide receiver. Let's go get this guy. Um, so a little frustrating. So once again, Aaron Rodgers, it's never about the money and dissecting all those kind of sound bites that we heard. It's basically just about respect and a little bit of country, like kind of recruiting, kind of a little bit of notes. Hey, this is what I think we should be doing. So Aaron Rodgers, the fact that, you know, they were never listening to him. We can definitely kind of feel and understand his frustration with the team. And uh, now finally we're getting it all out in the open. This is what we've wanted. We wanted to hear Aaron Rodgers just kind of tell us what it actually was right from his own source, right from his own mouth right from his own words and that's exactly what we got yesterday so finally we can understand the true kind of situation here brewing in green green bay over the last you know 15 years since he's been there now, obviously, there are two sides to every story, but I don't, you know, the Packers haven't been coming out and defuting anything or refuting every, anything that he has said. Um, obviously, they're kind of tiptoeing around him. They don't really kind of want to make any waves, so maybe they're just letting him say whatever he wants out there. But Aaron Rodgers finally being truthful out here, I think it's absolutely fantastic. We get a clear understanding of what is truly going on with the Aaron Rodgers situation here in Green Bay, and we can kind of, you know, understand him. And now we're kind of, you know getting on his side a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit, not 100%. We're not 100% agreeing with everything. But, uh, yeah, he makes some real solid points, real valid points, and everything that we've kind of been valuing here um, with quarterbacks having a big say, not just really quarterbacks, but the entire team. If you're a good enough player, if you're kind of a face of the franchise guy, getting respected like the face of the franchise guy, having your input heard and all that. So, Aaron Rodgers trying to kind of, you know, just let it all in the open. Like we said, it's his fuck it year. He is just going to say whatever he wants. He is going to air the dirty laundry here of the Packers because, hey, I can go next season. I can try to walk next season. 
So let's see what else we get here. Uh, I think that's it for the sound bites, but uh, let's see if we get anything else here in the other quotes that I have found of the man. So let's see if we can uh, see something else that we did not hear already. Just have to switch this over. All right. All right. We're good now. Okay. Here we go. Aaron Rodgers on if he'll be a Packer next season. He says, quote, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of tough decisions at the end of the year. I'm just going to focus on enjoying this year. Once again, his last ride, the last dance pictures that we've seen, his fucking year. We really don't see him coming to this Packers team next season. All right, what else do we get here? We get another quote here. It's the people that win the championships and everyone in the organization benefits. I just wanted to be part of people of people decisions. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't 100% all in as well. So Aaron Rodgers being 100% all in, which is still dangerous because we know this man can throw the ball very, very well, a la the MVP season last season. Uh, we get We heard this one, but let's just kind of, you know, read it. Here, just to get the uh, wording right. So here we go. This wasn't a draft day thing. It started with a conversation in February. I just expressed my desire to be more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Also, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way some of the outgoing veterans were treated. So respect, like we know. Uh, he says, do you want to be here? He says, I do. I do. I love my teammates. I love the city. I love my coaches. All right. He doesn't say he loves the organization, though. Um, and then Devontae Adams uh, also got a quick uh, quote here from him. So he says uh, he won't sign a deal that doesn't make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Says, quote, I've earned the right to be the pay- to be paid the highest in the league. And says both sides or both sides had sadly not made any progress. Quote, if you play well, you're supposed to get compensated. And, you know, that is kind of how it goes. You 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 get uh, the big yards, the big stats, you get the big payday. I mean, that does go hand in hand. It's just you have to find the team that is willing to pay you that big payday. So Devontae Adams still wants to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, holding him back of signing a long-term deal. And Aaron Rodgers just wants a little bit of respect, a little bit of a say in the personnel department, and then maybe he will sign a long-term deal. So we'll uh, keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers, obviously, for the rest of the offseason. Does a deal get done? And uh, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers' contract situation as well because we do kind of get a a little bit of a – um, I don't know how to call it. Um, just kind of a little miscommunication, I would say, because so we heard Aaron Rodgers restructured his deal or was going to restructure his deal from Adam Schefter. We heard that that that's why Aaron Rodgers finally showed up to training camp because the Packers are like, all right, you come in and we'll restructure the deal. And we haven't really heard that the deal was actually restructured yet. We don't know what was going on. And now we're getting this. So once again, we're getting kind of conflicting information here. So Aaron Rodgers says that it is not his understanding that he can choose where he wants to play in 2022. Now, that was kind of the big thing that Adam Schefter was kind of saying with the renegotiation of the contract that Aaron Rodgers was going to be able to kind of control his own future and kind of be able to walk after this year if he wants. And we're kind of hearing that's not truly the case from what Aaron Rodgers is understanding. So we're really going to have to kind of pay true focus on what this kind of restructured, renegotiated contract is going to 
going to look like, but it doesn't seem like anything's been signed yet, and it doesn't seem like Aaron Rodgers truly has kind of a free roam come next year. And then Aaron Rodgers, uh, we get a quote here about if he's open to finishing his career in Green Bay. He says, quote, I'm definitely not closing the door on anything. I'm always optimistic in the ability to change. I never want anyone to give up on me. And he later added that, quote, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't 100% all in. So maybe he does want to retire a Packer. Maybe he can kind of convince this Green Bay organization to finally give him the respect and the say that he truly deserves. It's not about the money. He just wants a little bit of a say and that's exactly what the Packers just did. They went and got Randall Cobb the other day and now we have the official compensation kind of figured out here for this uh, Randall Cobb trade. So he was a Houston Texan. So the Texans trade Randall Cobb to the Green Bay Packers and the Packers only give up a six round pick in the 2022 draft. So really kind of that's solid, um, you know, getting a nice veteran here, uh, somebody that's comfortable with Aaron Rodgers, somebody that's going to make Aaron Rodgers happy and you only have to give up a six round pick. Yeah, that's a no brainer. You do that. And now we get the Packers general manager here saying that, yeah, they only traded for Randall Cobb because it would make Aaron Rodgers happy. So once again, we're still getting this kind of, um, you know, walking on eggshells, tiptoeing around, trying to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And the fact that we've heard all this kind of talk from Aaron Rodgers, which is truly uncharacteristic of him, we've never heard Aaron Rodgers talk this much about the Packers organization in one sitting. So once again, Aaron Rodgers' fuck it year, the Packers trying to do everything that they can to make Aaron Rodgers happy, getting him everything he wants, and now that Aaron Rodgers has truly vocalized everything wrong with this Packers team to the media, it is out there. So now everybody, all the fans, just regular people, the media are going to start openly criticizing or just judging this Packers team now that we know 100% what is truly going on here behind the scenes here between the front office and between Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers went out and said it. So finally, we get all this great information here that we can kind of keep track of keep that narrative going that it's all about respect and say about the personnel for Aaron Rodgers so now that we know Aaron, Aaron Turtle Rodgers may be kind of coming out of his shell a little bit and that's exactly what we wanted to see that's exactly what we wanted to hear and we finally got that yesterday so that's all the Aaron Rodgers news folks real big great information coming out of the out of that press conference and Aaron Rodgers finally finding his voice Finally finding that voice. The plot of every Disney movie. The young gun, the young generation finding their voice. So watch out for Aaron Rodgers in this year's Disney movie. Coming to Disney Plus this year, folks. The little turtle that could. Aaron Rodgers finding his voice. Speaking out for himself. Taking control of his life here. His future in Green Bay. Coming to Disney Plus, folks. It's going to be great. going to be great. The little turtle that could. Aaron Rodgers story. You'll love to see it. <laughs> You'll love to see it. All right. Let's move off the Aaron Rodgers or yeah, the Aaron Rodgers topic for now. We will be back, I'm sure. But let's uh let's talk about this and this is why we were we are 100% big 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 time on this Colts team and Carson Wentz as a whole. So here we go. Carson Wentz was amped up after his first training camp practice with the, was the Colts with the Colts and says it was quote like the first day of school again. So that just kind of new fresh, that kind of sigh of relief, the monkey off your back 
with a new team now and everything is just kind of going right and going good and he's kind of feeling re relaxed he's feeling loose he's feeling this is a new start where he can kind of you know set his own just kind of set his own narrative set his own route and you know it's a fresh start clean slate so this is why we're going to be big on this Colts team come this season we just need him to stay healthy and so far he has stayed healthy let's knock on wood on that and Carson Wentz is you know ready to rock with this team new team team that respects them team is that team that that is right at the cusp of greatness they just need this good quarterback good above average quarterback and we believe Carson Wentz is that so now that he's kind of playing free and loosey goosey and he's got kind of a new perspective a clean slate everything that's happened in Philadelphia is truly behind him he has never been injured as an Indianapolis Colt quarterback member and uh, he's ready to kind of keep pushing forward keep moving forward and making uh, you know the Eagles kind of eat their heart out that they chose to uh, kind of bail off of him a little bit early, a little early. So uh, Carson Wentz is ready to rock, folks. Watch out for the Colts this year. 17-0, Super Bowl, bet all of those prop bets. Alrighty, let's talk about the Bears now because now we're hearing from Khalil Mack. And, you know, Khalil Mack was a big name, folks. When he entered the league from UB, small school, and he freaking put the league on notice being an absolute monster on the defensive line. You absolutely loved it. But his career has kind of fallen off a little bit ever since he's been traded to Chicago because the offense has just been non-existent. And you always really kind of talk about the offense first. The offense kind of draws you into the team. And then if the offense is good, we can kind of complement the defense as well. And that's really where Khalil Mack was getting all his fame from. But now that he's on this Bears team and with Mitch Trubisky just being absolutely trash, the defense was getting no recognition because the offense was absolutely lackluster. So now we get to hear from Khalil Mack now, which is always great. Hopefully he can return to his prime Superman self. And we're always talking about Khalil Mack week in and week out like we were three years ago, three, four years ago. So here we go. Khalil Mack says time is of the essence for Bears after unsatisfying 2020 season. And that is absolutely correct, folks. We know it. It's Matt Nagy. He is on the hot seat. He needs to start winning now. Needs to get the quarterback right. And the defense was like, yes, yes, yes. We've been making y'all look good. Matt Nagy, we've been making you look good. Um, Mitch Trubisky, we kind of have been making you look good as well. Kind of, you know, making up for all your three and outs and your garbage interceptions and turnovers and, you know, trying to get you good field position so you can look good by finally scoring a touchdown. It's all the defense here in Chicago. So let's see what Khalil Mack is saying. And let's see if we get any kind of, you know, frustrating undertones uh, because, you know, the defense was not the problem for this Bears team over the last kind of two seasons. And Khalil Mack is kind of, you know, a huge reason why. So let's see what he's saying. Khalil Mack burst open the Chi-Town scene. He electrified the fan base and reignited the Chicago Bears' aspirations as contenders. That was three seasons ago now, though, and the Bears' fearsome pass rusher knows time is never on on an NFL player's side, and Chicago has none to waste heading into the 2021 campaign. Quote, you don't get too many years in the NFL, too many chances to win ball games, and too many chances to get to the playoffs and go all the way. Charles Woodson told me a long time ago, he was like, you cannot waste time. This stuff is very valuable. I understand that now going into year eight. Jeez, I cannot believe Khalil Mack is going into year eight. That is absolutely insane. Just truly feels like he was drafted like two years ago, folks. 
So, quote, I understand that now going into year eight, and I've only been in the playoffs three times so far and losing in the first round every one of them. Stuff is very valuable. Time is of the essence. He need, he knows the offense needs to get it, get their shit together, truly. The offense has truly been holding back this Bears team. The defense has been real solid. And, uh, you know, just Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and just Matt Nagy in general not getting the quarterback right. This is why we see want to see Justin Fields be there week one to get the quarterback right, not kind of switching quarterbacks midseason, ruining your rhythm. That's what Matt Nagy did. He changed quarterbacks three times last season. Mitch Trubisky, like the first three weeks, Nick Foles uh, a couple weeks after week four, um, and then back to Mitch Trubisky to close out the season because Nick Foles was not putting up any type of points on the board. So it's just you, you can't be you know going with Andy Dalton the first four weeks, and if he doesn't work, then you go to Justin Fields. But now you're already kind of one in three maybe having really to rely on Justin Fields to get it done. That's why we need to see Justin Fields there out week one. Let him grow. Let him make the early mistakes. It's all right if you're losing a couple of games early on in the season, but you need to hit your stride midway in the season, keeping it going in the back end of the season when you make your playoff push for the postseason you can't just start the season like two and four two and five three and four three and five or three and four would be kind of solid but you can't you know you can't go three and four with Andy Dalton and then just kind of expect Justin Fields to not make some mistakes kind of game what is three and four that puts us at what week eight so you know week eight nine ten when everybody's kind of in their rhythm you can't go to Justin Fields and be like hey now you're out here and he's trying to get his legs out under him while everybody else has fresh legs momentum legs under them so now Justin Fields goes like one and two so now you went three and four with Andy Dalton and one and two to start Justin Fields and now you're four and seven did I say three and four four and six now you're four and six now finally getting Justin Fields legs under him and you know we don't know where you're going to be out where you're going to be at four and six when you really kind of can't lose another game you really have to go 11 and six or uh 10 and seven to maybe try to at least compete for that last wild card spot so we really 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 need to see Justin Fields out there week one and hopefully Matt Nagy makes the right decision all right, we get a couple more quotes here by Khalil Mack, so let's see what we get. Though the Bears made it to the postseason last year, they backed into it on the heels of a 35-16 loss to the Packers in Week 17. Over the final six games of the season, Chicago allowed 27 or more points to four opponents, flexing its defensive might against only the Texans and the Jaguars. And that's kind of another thing that we've been saying last season was, you know, the offense was just so lackluster that the defense was kind of giving up in the games. They're like, you know, whatever we do, it doesn't matter because the offense is not going to score. We give them great field position, they're not going to get a touchdown they'll have to maybe settle for a field goal or even no points at all or we give you great field position we give you a great turnover turnover and you're not capitalizing we force the three and out and you're not capitalizing so the defense just gets frustrated towards the back end of the season and that's why they were allowing you know 27 points basically per game plus um, in the back end of the season but we get a quote here by Khalil Mack. Let's see what he says. Quote, we've got to bring it all together and be what we know we can be and that's a great defense uh, Mac had nine sacks last season and made it to a six Pro Bowl. Congratulations. Um, as the storylines and focus have spotlighted improving the Bears' struggling offense, Mac is steadfast with his team outlook in picking up his in the defensive 
defenses play if the offense is struggling, and it could be. We'll see if Justin Fields is the real deal. But quote here by Mac. The thing about a team sport is everybody's got to carry each other. It's about everybody being of one accord and everybody doing what it takes to win ball games, whether it's them scoring 17 points or 14 or 12 or us shutting down, shutting another team out. Whatever it takes to win the ball game is definitely what we've got to step up and be able to do on defense. All righty. <clears throat> Last quote here, but let's lead the read up. The let's read the lead up to it. Here we go. The Bears are entering a hugely pivotal season for the franchise. They drafted rookie quarterback Justin Fields, but veteran Andy Dalton is slotted as a starter after signing a one-year deal. After back-to-back eight and eight seasons, head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace are each believed by many to be sitting on the hot seat. We definitely agree with that. There is a roster brimming with players entering the final year of their current deals, perhaps most notably receiver Allen Robinson, and 30-year-old Mac knows what happened the last season wasn't near good enough, and any talk isn't going to change that because work needs to be done in times a wasting quote. Of course, we're not satisfied with last year's result. So there's work to be done, enough talking. I, I don't do that. I don't like to talk about it. So watch out for Khalil Mack to really just kind of, you know, return to kind of prime spotlight form, to carry this defense to make it easier on their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, who will be the week one starter. We know this, folks. So the Bears, everybody, I mean, we're hearing the right things from this Bears team, folks, from the offense to the defense. They're all saying the right things. They just need to go out and truly kind of, you know, with their back against the wall, with time ticking, with time running out, they have to go and, you know, put up or shut up. And, you know, that's what we're going to get. You know, do the talking on the field. The results on the field will, you know, kind of, you know, back up what you were saying in the preseason in training camp, or it will disprove basically everything you said was a lie and just kind of boilerplate stuff that you all never really Really bought into so we'll keep an eye on this Bears team this season and see how Max progressing and see how Justin Fields coming along but uh, they know they need to start winning games now this year Alrighty, let's move on to this Falcons team, and this is interesting. We get to hear from this general manager for the Falcons, and he's like, hey, don't disrespect us. Don't don't you dare disrespect us. We are not a rebuilding team. So this is what we get from the Falcons general manager, Terry Fontenot. Quote, it is disrespectful to say we're not going to be a good football team or that we're in a rebuilding mode. Alrighty, well, they still have their quarterback. They just made a little bit of a head coaching switch. They got rid of Julio Jones, but he was an agent player they've got kind of you know real good youngsters on this team as well so you know don't mistake all of that for kind of you know we're rebuilding or you know we're not going to be a good football team they're ready to kind of you know pick off where they pick up where they left off last season and get even better to try to return to that kind of Super Bowl glory that they had a couple of seasons ago Alrighty, so let's see what uh, Fonte Knott has to say, the Falcons general manager. So here we go. Where do we start? Twitter restart. I guess we can start all the way up here. Here we go. All right, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith moved to Atlanta to help turn the Falcons, an aging team with a bloated cap situation back toward a prosperous future. It's a daunting task for everyone and it hasn't been easy for the new folks in Atlanta who also had to fulfill a request to trade the best receiver in franchises history during the first offseason. 
That's handled. And next on the docket for the Falcon is a familiar task. Prepare for the regular season. Matt Ryan is back for his 14th season in Atlanta. 14th season in Atlanta? What the heck? Really? Jeez. That seems crazy long. Damn. Khalil Mack in his 8th season. Matt Ryan going into his 14th season in Atlanta. Jeez, Louise. Where does the time go, folks? And he has a popular new weapon in tight end Kyle Pitts. Their existence in the same offensive lineup, seasoned veteran, and promising rookie might best explain where the Falcons are at this point. One stands as a symbol of years past, while the other is a figure of hope for the future. Oh, isn't that so beautiful? Great writing right there. Uh, while they might not play together for too long, that's they're certainly on the same side in 2021, a season which Fonte Knott has characterized as one in which the Falcons expect to compete. This is not Sashi Brown tearing down the Cleveland Browns in order to jumpstart a rebuild. The Falcons think they can have their cake and eat at least a few bites of it too. Quote here by Fonte Knott. There is a bunker mentality with us. It is disrespectful to say we're not going to be a good football team or that we're in a rebuilding mode. The players, coaches, staff, and everyone here, we put a lot into this. We're excited about it. We have confidence in ourselves, and we believe in the people here. I mean, I believe in Arthur Smith 100%, but we also need a good running game. I love all the pieces here offensively for this Falcons team besides their running game, and that's kind of the only thing that's really holding us back for truly getting big behind this Falcons team. We need to see this offense have a real solid established, meaningful, productive running game. And with Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson, that is not going to be the situation. That is not going to be the case here in Atlanta. All right, we get one more quote here, so let's see what we get. Fonte Knott and company believe that they've done the best job they can in an offseason that included an abbreviated pre-draft process and in the middle of prime prognostication season they're selling the optimistic outlook as much as possible just know it might not go entirely according to plan quote when you take off an air when you take off on an airplane it's rarely on its exact course is it hang on what when you take off on an airplane it's rarely on its exact course is that true? <laughs> I, I felt like, you know, basically planes drive themselves with all the computers. So, yeah, it's supposed to be on the exact course. You don't get you don't go on an airplane and they start going left and turning right. And you're like, oh, well, this is just how airplanes do it. They make these crazy zigzags. No, it's a smooth flight. What the hell type of flights have Fonte not been on, folks? I don't want to be on any plane that uh, that general manager for the Falcons has ever been on because I don't think he knows how planes work. So, uh, okay, but let's get back to the quote. When you take off on an airplane, it's rarely on its exact course. There are constant adjustments in flight, but you eventually land and get to where you're going. That's how we see it. We have a clear vision, but we also know we have to adapt and adjust. I guess I I don't really like the plane metaphor metaphor of you know the plane is constantly needing adjustments like yeah I guess you know the kind of technology you know is kind of you know constantly measuring like wind resistance and pressure and all that so I guess in that sense but it's not like the pilots are constantly like oh my god the, the wind is blowing the plane all the way to the left and we're constantly kind of you know cranking right back it's like it's small adjustments. I guess you can make the uh, the the analogy here, but I don't know. I don't like it. So, 
All right, a little bit of a strike. I'm going to count that as a little bit of a strike here for Terry Fonte not here, but... He doesn't want to kind of be, you know, labeled as a rebuild team. And nobody really does because, you know, once you're labeled a rebuild team, it's like there's no expectations, there's no pressure, but there's also really no chance of winning. So Terry Fontenot's trying to come in year one and get it done, and we'll definitely see what he does. But this offense for the Falcons, real solid, folks. We're big on Kelvin Ridley. We're big on Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage. We believe Matt Ryan can get it done. We got to see a little bit of a better running game, and that's something that the Falcons did not do. They brought in Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson, I mean, he's nothing great. They brought in Mike Davis from the Panthers. Once again, it's just nothing great. We'll see if that's the right decision, though. Alrighty, we get some quick updates here from training camp. Dak Prescott ended up leaving yesterday's Cowboys practice with soreness in his right arm. The Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott underwent an MRI examination. The results of that test showed that Prescott has a muscle strain in his right shoulder. And then Dak Prescott says, uh, quote, I felt some soreness when making certain throws today, and I really just decided not to push things too far. Better to be cautious and smart about it. I don't see this as any kind of serious setback. We'll treat it on a daily basis, and I'll be fine. So a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a scary hiccup here for this Cowboys team. But Dak says, hey, I'm good to go. This isn't anything to you know worry about. And we saw him kind of you know getting it done already in training camp. So once again, we're not worried about Dak Prescott, but we hope this kind of shoulder muscle strain isn't anything that kind of has to become worrisome as we progress in the training camp. All right, now let's talk about Kelvin Benjamin. So Kelvin Benjamin said that the Giants cut him because of his weight. He weighed 265 at the end of minicamp. He was told to get down to 251 for training camp, and he ended up showing up to training camp weighing 268. The man gained three pounds when they said to lose 17. Not great. He said he passed all of his con conditioning tests, and it was all a hoax, but they ended up cutting him anyway. So truly unfortunate there, Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin, his weight has really always been an issue. He's always, you know, if you go on social media around Calvin Benjamin, you know, you will see everybody clowning him of being, you know, beefy as heck. I um, mean, he's a wide receiver. You don't want your wide receivers beefy as heck. Uh, but, yeah, I could not get down to that weight. And this is a competitive kind of, um, you know, Giants wide receiver core. So the fact that, you know, Calvin Benjamin wasn't taking it too seriously of cut down to try to compete with this already – stacked receiving core. I mean, let's talk about it. We talk about it all the time, but we'll talk about it again. We love it. Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony, John Ross. I mean, those are five receivers that are clearly better than Kelvin Benjamin. Even Kadarius Tony, who's a rookie. I'm taking all of them over Kelvin Benjamin. So, truly unfortunate that Kelvin Benjamin just could not show up at that weight that the team set, and uh, they cut him because of it. So, truly unfortunate there, but you can't, you can't gain three pounds when the team wants you to lose 17 real real not a good look that you're truly putting in 100% effort and commitment to the team and everybody else Kadarius uh, Tony's doing that Sterling Shepard Kenny Galladay Darius Slayton John Ross are all putting in 100% because they know they've got great wide receiver depth and there's really only two main starting roles three main starting roles and they want to have one of those top three starting roles so Kelvin Benjamin truly unfortunate got cut by the Giants we also get this news by the Giants real, real bad. Starting left guard Shane Lemino 
was taken off on the cart just now. This was today at 11.22 a.m. So in today's training camp, they potentially lose their starting left guard for the season. You don't see too many people getting carted off, and it's like a no-big-deal injury. So this is not great for this Giants team who needs to have great protection for Daniel Jones to have success, who needs great run blocking for Saquon Barkley to have success, who's coming off of an injury. So we're big on this Giants team, but everything that we've been seeing this offseason has just been making us lose faith in this Giants team over and over and over again. We're hoping for some good news here for the Giants, but we have just not gotten it at all this offseason. So, more bad news for this Giants team. They lose their starting left guard. Hopefully nothing serious. We'll know more later, but uh, getting carted off is never a good look. Alrighty, we got another kind of top five takeaways, this time from Albert Breer. We heard from him on his top five takeaways from the Steelers when he was watching them, but now we get it, we, his top five takeaways from the Vikings of him watching their training camp. So let's see what we should be watching for for this Vikings team. Let's see what they're doing. Do they have that identity? Let's go back to our training camp narratives for this Vikings team. What do we want to see? Our training camp narratives were... Establish an identity offensively. We just don't know, man. It's Kirk Cousins. It's Delvin Cooks. They're both great in the stats statistically, but it's always mediocre seasons. And we also said the defense must be one trillion times better. All caps, all exclamation points. So hopefully Albert Breer's got some good takeaways defensively that we can buy into this team. So let's see what he says. Takeaway number one. Patrick Peterson, the new corner, ended up coming from the Cardinals. Patrick Peterson had a strong spring, and that's big for the team given the uncertainty of Jeff Gladney. Sorting out the quarterback, cornerbacks equal big one in camp. So that's great that, you know, veteran Patrick Peterson's having, you know, pretty good success out here for this Vikings team. All right. Number two takeaway, IDing third wide receivers another. That's why D.D. Westbrook's there, but keep an eye on rookie Amir Smith-Marsetti. So once again, we know they've got Justin Jefferson. We know they got Adam Thielen. You know, we talked about them bringing in D.D. Westbrook the other day on the show. Real solid number third option, but he says watch out for rookie Emar Smith-Marsetti. So we'll see if he's, you know, got the goods. All right, third takeaway, middle pressure on Kirk Cousins was a problem last year, so getting the right two out of young guards, Ezra Cleveland, Wyatt Davis, and Drew Samia in that Dakota Dozier will be big. All righty, focus on that running offensive, offensive line identity, protecting Kirk Cousins. Takeaway number four, dark horse defensive end DJ Wanum. Vikings need a bookend for Daniel Hunter. Wanum has shown promise. So once again, getting great pass rushers is what wins in this league. Uh, they pressured Kirk Cousins. Um, the defenses did last season, as Albert Breer said, and they're looking to pressure their opposing quarterbacks as well. And then the last takeaway, takeaway number five, potential rookie revelation. Running back Kene Angongwu. The staff's been impressed with how fast he plays, and he could be a nice relief pitcher for Delvin Cook, interestingly. He only rushed for 339 yards last year at Iowa State, playing behind All-American Brees Hall. So once again, this man, this running back, Kine Ngongwu, 
says, uh, you know, everyone's loving him, and he just kind of has to be that solid kind of relief pitcher for Delvin Cook, and he already did that in Iowa for only 339 yards. So we'll see how all these kind of pieces come together, the offensive line, the corners, the running back, and uh, we'll see if uh, the Vikings can finally get a good season under their belt, not a mediocre 10-6 and season that they all celebrate that's, you know, one of the best seasons ever. Let's try to just get, you know, a solid 13-4, and a 14-3, and a 15-2, and a 16-1, and a 17 and 0. Let's get this Vikings team back on track, folks, because they do have talent, but they need to capitalize it into wins. Alrighty, let's talk about this. This isn't good. We kind of, you know, we're all, you know, a little taken back that Michael Thomas news. He's going to miss like the first seven weeks of the season because he had surgery last month and it's not right yet. He needs like three months after the surgery. So we were all kind of like, what? Well, why didn't he have it sooner? You know, what was going on there? And, you know, we kind of uh, are all kind of vindicated in having that thought because we get to Sean Payton. Sean Payton says that the Michael Thomas surgery should have happened sooner than it did. It says, quote, I'm going to leave it at that. So Sean Payton, this kind of came out of the blue for him. He's a little frustrated that, you know, it waited so long. He should have had the surgery way earlier. So he was a thousand percent ready to go for training camp. Now he's not even going to be a thousand percent ready to go for week one of the NFL season, not having Drew Brees, not settling in the young quarterbacks here, the young inexperienced Saints quarterbacks out here. So Sean Payton's a little disappointed in Michael Thomas, and uh, that's not the best look out here. So we just talked about the Saints. We did our refresher for the Saints yesterday on the show, and we have them being real bad. We have them going 6-11. and 11. We really can't see any quality, meaningful wins out here for the Saints team, especially since Michael Thomas is going to be missing the first couple games of the season. So Sean Payton isn't happy about it, a little unsatisfied, a little, um, little truly upset about it, and... Uh, yeah, so were we a little bit. So not great here by Michael Thomas. Seems like Sean Payton wasn't truly in the loop of what that injury was. Alrighty, more first looks out of here from training camp. We get Patrick Mahomes doing his thing. No look passes, sidearm passes, throwing it into absolute kind of tight spaces. But man, oh man, it's absolutely on the money, 100%. The the accuracy is absolutely perfection. Tyreek Hill, he throws this pass to him, throws him open. Uh, but just the Patrick Mahomes back to you know no look passes. Sidearm no-look passes right to Tyreek Hill over the middle of the field, and he would have taken that one all the way to the house if that was live action. So um, just once again, this Chiefs team, they're still going to be great, folks. You don't have to worry about them. They will be absolutely fine, 100%. Man, oh, man, what a pass. Jeez Louise. Alrighty, more look out of here, folks, and this is what we've been waiting for, our first look of Najee Harris in training camp, folks, absolutely perfection out here, look at him go, takes the, takes the ball, and he goes up the middle for about 10 yards, and then he is just will not go down, folks, we know he's a little beefy, he's not Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry beefy, but he's kind of solid right below Derrick, Hun Derrick Henry beefiness, and he's out here carrying defenders for about 5 Five, six, maybe even 10 yards out here. It gets the crowd going. It gets the team going. And Najee Harris is going to be an absolute dominant force out here. Rookie here for the Steelers team. Let's watch this one one more final time. Here he goes. Up the middle. That's five. That's 10 yards. First contact is 10 yards. And then he kind of is dragging defenders for another five yards. Absolutely fantastic out there. First look from Najee Harris. And there is just more, more, more to come, folks. 
But uh, we get to this one. Let's flick over to the Cowboys training camp. Now, this is not Dak Prescott throwing the ball, but this is mother-loving C.D. Lamb going out and being that all-star-studded A1, Tier 1 wide receiver that we're really kind of ready to designate him with, even though he's only going into a second year. Watch this catch absolutely fantastic it's a high floater in the back corner of the end zone and this man gets up one-handed catch this is obj i reach back like one three like one three folks i mean this is i reach back like eight eight like eight eight cd lamb is that dude is that man this man is going to have an absolutely phenomenal year two and he's still going to be kind of the number two wide receiver so now the number two corner has to cover has to cover an a1 tier one tier two wide receiver how crazy so expect big things from this Cowboys offense this is why we're big on this Cowboys team in the division of the NFC East this is why we had them over the Giants because we get plays out here from CD Lamb going airborne one hand to catch I don't think he got that second foot down in bounds but I don't even care I don't care this is amazing going up and getting the ball one hand to catch absolutely fantastic Alrighty, let's uh, talk about this because I did not go into this article, wanted to save it for the show here, but um, I'm real interested in what this is actually all about because this could absolutely be nonsense. I haven't heard anything about this, so let's see what we get here. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts says he's above trade chatter, focused on earning the starting job. When was there trade chatter about Jalen Hurts? When was there really any chatter about him not being the starting quarterback? What do they have, Joe Flacco behind him? Please, please spare me. Spare me on that. Please, 100%. Joe Flacco will not be competing for the starting job. So what is up with this trade chatter? Where is this trade chatter coming from? Because I'm not chatting the trade here. I haven't heard one thing about trade chatter this entire offseason. So let's quickly go through this article and let's see if we can kind of pinpoint the trade chatter. Let's see what we get. Jaden Hur- Jalen Hurts has seen and heard a whole lot for having only been in the NFL for one season. He's a presumptive new starter in Philadelphia. Yeah, he should be 100%. I mean, I don't really see him not being the starter. Um, he's a presumptive starter in Philadelphia following a whirlwind of a rookie year that included a season-long meltdown for the man he was backing up, Carson Wentz, and a late-year insertion into the starting lineup. The later call was made by, by a coach who is no longer in town, just as Wentz is no longer an eagle. One might see this as Hurts having successfully cleared rough waters for smooth sailing. Not so fast, my friend. Oh, well, please enlighten us. Uh, who wrote this article? Nick Shook. Alrighty, Nick Shook. We've read some stuff from you before. But uh, let's see why he says it's not so fast, my friend. Hertz begins the training camp as quarterback number one, even if new coach Nick Sirianni won't yet name him as such, and he's returned to Philadelphia with a demeanor of a man who's ready to take full control of the offense. He's also changed his jersey number to a more familiar number one he wore his final year of college at Oklahoma. Quote, who, who's saying this? Eagles general manager. Here we go. Rose, Howie Roseman says, quote, He's done everything possible off the field and during the spring practices to take the reins, and we want to see him do that. This is a big year for any player that goes from year one to year two, so we're excited to see that, see his growth in working with the ones. 
So once again, 100% presumptive starter. The the general manager wants to see a Howie Roseman. That's what we're going to see. Uh, Hertz has another reason to attack the, this training camp with relentless effort. He still needs to prove he's a viable solution at quarterback, starting with the short-term outlook. That outlook could get rattled a bit if the Eagles decide to use some of their recently acquired draft capital to upgrade under center, i.e. moving the three first-round picks requested by Texans as compensation for Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson? What? What? We have not been talking about the Eagles about, you know, a good fit for Deshaun Watson, a potential suitor for Deshaun Watson? Who's saying that? Just because he's available on the market? I don't see the Eagles going and doing that. Who has said that? Nick Shook is just starting to make things up. Nobody's even, I don't think anybody has ever said, you know, the Eagles are, you know, one of the main contenders for Deshaun Watson. It was Green Bay before Aaron Rodgers came back, and it was Denver. Those were the only two names, teams being thrown around for Deshaun Watson, even Miami getting rid of Tua, but there was no, you know, getting rid of Jalen Hurts for Deshaun Watson. I never heard any of that. I never saw any of that. I never read any of that. So I'm not really buying this article now. Um, let's uh, finish it off here because we get one quote here from Jalen Hurts. So here we go. And even if the Eagles stand pat at quarterback, they still need evidence that Hurts can be the guy in 2021 and beyond. The man was thrown in their late season and still made it work. So where is this kind of uncertainty with Jalen Hurts coming from all of a sudden? I'm not buying into this. Um, and even if the Eagles stand pat at quarterback, they still need evidence that Hurts can be the guy in 2021 and beyond. That means it's time, time for Hurts to buckle down, tune out any outside trade chatter, and take control of his future. He's got this. He's got a buffer year, folks. He's got a buffer year. We need to see Joe Burrow and Tua step it up from last year to this year. But Jalen Hurts kind of has a little bit of a pass this year. If everything doesn't work out, okay. Well, you don't really have that many weapons offensively. And you have a new uh, head coach. And you really only got a couple of starts last season at the back end of the year. So Jalen Hurts, I don't see, I don't get where Nick Shook is writing that this is kind of a sink or swim, do or die, must win season for Jalen Hurts. I'm not buying any of this, folks. Quote here by Jalen Hurts. What chatter? Question mark. There's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of chatter that goes on. I'm above it all. I control what I can. I'm here. That's what I'm going going out there and being the quarterback for this team. So Jalen Hurts was like, what the hell are you talking about? Chatter? Trade chatter? What chatter are you talking about? Yeah, there's always people talking, but don't come at me with this nonsense. I'm above it all. I don't hear it. I'm here. So... I'm not buying any of this chatter. It's Jalen Hurts. He's going to get it done. And I don't need to read any more of this article because I'm not buying into anything that was written here, anything that was said here. I'm not buying into any of it. So Jalen Hurts, we can believe him. He's he's the guy here. He's the man. There is no trade chatter. They're not going to go and get Deshaun Watson. It's Jalen Hurts. It's not Joe Flacco. Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback, and I believe he will be solid this year. We'll see how solid. Is he kind of, you know, year two solid, or is he still kind of, you know, still year one, a full year one solid? That is going to be kind of determined this year, but this is not a win or die season for the Eagles. They have kind of free pass cards all over the place. New head coach uh you know kind of you know first full year quarterback 
no real great offensive weapons. We like Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager should be real solid. They have a solid tight end in uh, Zach Ertz. Running game, Miles Sanders is kind of tier two-ish. So it's not like they have this all-star studded offensive roster that, you know, they're a plug-and-play quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. They have free passes all over the field, folks. So I'm not believing that this is kind of, you know, Jalen Hurts needs to go out and, you know, be dominant and put up like a Justin Herbert last season season. I'm not buying into any of that. Alrighty, that is all the stories that we needed to cover for today. I forgot to look this up right before the show. I forgot when I was doing uh, my research. But is um, is our man, is he there for the Jets? Is Zach Wilson here for the Jets, folks? So let's uh, kind of Google Twitter very quickly and see if Zach... Okay, finally, four minutes ago. Four minutes ago, they finally got it done. The Jets in first round rookie Zach Wilson have agreed to terms. He gets his signing bonus within 15 days. Jets gets its off... off gets it... Jet, New York Jets gets its offset. So finally, finally, four minutes ago, folks, four minutes ago, $35 million rookie deal, including a signing bonus of $22.9 million. So finally, this man is going to be out on the field for the Jets. Maybe today, maybe they got it done before practice. Maybe they'll get it done before the second practice, whatever it is. We are having Zach Wilson back in the building for the Jets. Finally, Robert Sala, finally. I'm not going to make you not the worst head coach of all time yet. just yet. We're not taking this down. Robert Sala is the worst head coach in the NFL right now. We're not going to take this down. We'll wait until we see something good, and then we'll remove this title. So, finally, good, good, good. Little late, but better late than never. So, Zach Wilson is now signed for this Jets team. Alrighty, let's um, head over to our NFL team refresher. We've already looked at the Broncos. We see them going 10 and 7, 11 and 6, and we've already done the Saints, seeing them go 6 and 11. So we, let's uh, spin the wheel. We do a random NFL team basically every single day where we see what they did last season, what was good about them, what was bad about them, what did they do this offseason, what did they do in the draft, who did they lose, who did they acquire, and what is their schedule looking like. And then all of that information, we give them win total for their year and seeing just how we can kind of rank these teams as we uh, get uh, get all on the same page for the 2021 season coming up in about 40 some odd days. So let's see who the team of the day is going to be. Let's spin the wheel and find out. Here we go. Wheel is spun. Wheel is spinning. Wheel is slowing down. And the team of today is going to be the Washington Redskins. All righty, folks. So, let's start at the quarterback competition, folks. There is an open quarterback competition. It does seem, of everything that we've seen so far, it does really seem that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter. I don't even know if we really give Terry McLaurin... Um, really any real chance out there to go out or Taylor Heineke excuse me to go out and win the starting quarterback job I really don't think he's even going to have a real solid chance to but uh, let's see what we're getting at uh, with the quarterbacks uh, we, you know we have talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit over the last two weeks but let's all you know get a little refresher the one thing that we just have, you know, real no great confidence in of Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he never really just takes the lead. He hasn't really had that many seasons where he was a full starting quarterback in this league. He started every single game in 2011, went 6-10. and 10. He started every single game in 2012 as a starting quarterback, went 6-10. and 10. He started every single game as the Jets in 2015 and went 10-6. and 6. And we kind of t we took a look at this season. 
of this roster. And, you know, this was a solid offensive roster, folks. They had Chris Ivory as a running back, a 1,000-yard uh, running season, fantastic. They had Eric Decker and uh, Brandon Marshall, who both caught for 1,000-yard seasons, fantastic. They had Kellen Davis at the tight end position, who did not do anything. But this was be you know this was pre tight end university, folks. You couldn't expect a tight end to be that solid. But overall, they had some real solid pass catchers out there and a solid running back for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They also had a real solid defense: Kelvin Pryor, Darrell Revis, Antonio Cromartie, Kelvin Pace, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkinson. I mean, this was all just a real stacked defense, honestly. Todd Bowles, I believe, first year here with the Jets, but still only went 10-6 and six and didn't make the playoffs. So this is kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick's ceiling when everything is good, when you have a good defense. This Washington team has a real solid defense. Let's bring up their kind of depth chart real quick and just talk about it because this defense is going to kind of resemble that 2015 Jets defense a little bit. So let's get up there, depth chart, and then we can see what the Washington did defensively last year uh, just to kind of see, was this an actually good defense or was it just a mediocre, blah defense? Uh, because, you know, just from what we remember from last season, this Washington defense was real solid, led by Chase Young, really kind of led this Washington team to all the victories because we had all this uncertainty at quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, Kirk Cousins, um, Terry uh, Taylor Heineke so we had you know a revolving door of quarterbacks not putting up that many points not having an elite running game and it was really just the defense locking it up locking it down and forcing low scoring games that the Washington team was able to win just by having kind of game managing quarterbacks out there no elite ta talent at the quarterback position. All right, so their depth chart is not um, loading up on the screen. How unfortunate, but we have ways around it. We are not tripping. Uh, we can go to our mobile device. Uh, so let's get up Washington's depth chart real quick, and then I want to check out that uh, Washington defense very quickly. All right, here we go. Washington depth chart. Let's see what we got defensively. Obviously, we know they got Chase Young, who should be having a breakout year, too. Uh, they got Jonathan Allen on the line as well. John Bostic, a nice linebacker. Kendall Fuller, a corner. They got William Jackson, the third. Landon Collins, a safety. What do we got with William Jackson? Can we look this up, or is this website not working either? Let's see. Let's go to our uh, – We don't. do we even have player profile up? Yeah, right here. Okay. Um, player profile to see what these corners are doing against elite tier wide receivers. Let's see if we can bring up William Jackson just to kind of see what he's looking like as a cornerback. Can we buy into him? William Jackson. Here we go. Let's see if he comes up. We going to load here. Doesn't seem like we're going to load. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. But, um, all right, so while this is all loading, let's go to Washington's defense last season just to see where they were standing just in overall team defense to truly gauge is this a good Washington defense that is, once again, going to have to carry the load. So here we go. Let's see where the Washington defense ranked overall last season. And they were the fourth best ranked offense according to Pro Football Reference, folks. Fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. All right. Uh, points for so they gave up 329 points last season Washington did and the average was 396 so they shaved off about 70 points that's absolutely great yards allowed they allowed 4,800 yards total the average was 5,700 folks that's almost a thousand yards less than the average it's absolutely spectacular passing they only allowed I mean this is great folks I mean is this number one 
It's a it's a very very close number two right here. So they were the best passing defense last season. They only gave up 3,068 yards. That second highest, the highest was the Rams giving up 3,051 yards. In the average was 3,800 yards. So they shaved off 800 passing yards on average. And it was the number two passing defense allowed in yards wise. That's absolutely great, man. Jeez. Oof. All right, let's uh, we can look up this. We can look up their kind of passing completion percentage on defense. So let's look at uh, kind of what they were averaging, um, just kind of completion percentage for opposing quarterbacks. So let's count uh, this. Uh, here we go. 330 completions on 529 attempts. That's uh, 62%, which is pretty solid right there. That's not bad. Um, right kind of on that lower benchmark of what we want to see. In the rushing game, they gave up 1,800 yards. They did kind of get beat by the run decently, uh, but the average was 1,900. So they were extraordinary in the uh, passing game, just kind of average-ish in the run game, just uh, 100 yards below the average. But this Washington defense was absolutely very, very fantastic and truly held them or helped them get a lot of wins last season. Let's see if we can bring up this. Let's see if this is going to lo load or we're going to have to do everything on the phone. Very, very unfortunate. I don't know. I, you know, the Wi-Fi, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, we go an hour in the show and now just wants to crap the bed all of a sudden like do y'all not know we're live do y'all not know we got a show to do you can't be cutting in and out like this come on uh so washington uh by year let's see if we can bring this up i just want to see their point totals on what they were doing oh and it comes up absolutely fantastic so it's just espn that's just being absolute trash classic all right let's see the point totals from the washington football team scores last season and who they beat because we know they did only win seven games but we do weigh that heavily on just the offense not getting it done so let's take a look on who this washington team beat last season and what the point totals were like so week one they go and beat the philadelphia eagles 27 17 only giving up 17 points real solid there then they face the Cardinals. They lose 15-30. to 30. So, once again, that offense struggling, only putting up 15 points. And the defense, that Cardinals team, real early on in the season was real solid. So, the 30-point game, a little unfortunate, but they did kind of pick it up. I mean, we're going to talk about it. The first, the, this, they, they fell into a four-week stretch right here where the defense was just trying to get everything figured out. And that's, you know, to be, you know, assumed because, you know, that defense, Ron Rivera, first year, head coach there, Chase Young, rookie last year. So, the defense was truly finding its footing the first couple of weeks and then they really got it done in the back end of the season so they gave up 30 points week two against the Cardinals they gave up 34 points week three against the Browns they gave up 31 points week four against the Ravens and they gave up 30 points week five against the Rams but taking all this with a grain of salt yes they lost all those games but I mean these are some elite teams Rams Ravens Browns Cardinals I mean that's a tough schedule so the defense you know getting their legs underneath them trying to figure out while facing the elite of the elite you still have to give them a little bit of credit for what they were doing yes they were losing all these games but 10 points they were putting up 17 20 15 I mean like you're not going to win those games so once again the offense and it was early Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball here really just unfortunately very very not good then we hit week six where they face the Giants, only give up 20 points, and they lose 20 to 19. Real solid game there. Then they go and face the Cowboys, only give up three points. They win 25 to 3. They win that game, and they have two wins right before the bye. Coming out of the bye, they face the Giants again. They gave up 23 points this time, so three more points, and unfortunately still lose the game 23 to 20. Close game. 
Then they face the Lions. They give up 30 points against the Lions. Now, that is inexcusable. I cannot make an excuse for that. That is just a real bad. That's the worst week of the season, folks. I don't care that you gave up 30 against the Rams, the Ravens, the Browns, the Cardinals. You give up 30 against the Lions? Against Matt Patricia's Lions last season? What the hell are you doing? Trash. Uh, so they had a little bit of hiccup on week 10. Then they find out to win four straight games, folks. Fantastic right here. They go and beat the Bengals 20 to 9. They go to beat the Cowboys 41 to 16. They beat the Steelers 23 to 17 and they beat the 49ers 23 to 15. But look at this point total, folks. 9 16 17 15. That's great absolute defense locking it down at the back end of the season. Then they go and face the Seahawks. They lose, but it was a still good game 20 to 15. So only giving up 20 points against that Seahawks team. Yes, sir. Then they go and face the Panthers. Once again, they lose this game, unfortunate, 20-13. to 13. But once again, only giving up 20 points. You have a real great shot of winning that, winning that game if you allow 20 or less points if you have a competent offense, which we know that they just didn't. And then the last game of the season, they face the Eagles, where they give up 14 points. And they win the game for the division, winning 20-14. to 14. But once again, I mean, these point totals down the stretch, folks, they only floundered once in the back end of the season after the bye, giving up 30 points against the Lions. Then they never gave up more than 23 points in a game. I mean, that's absolutely magnificent defense. So watch out for this Washington defense. We'll see in a second if they kept everybody. I, I, I don't think they lost anybody. We're going to double-check that. But the defense is going to be the main takeaway for this Washington team. And they just need Ryan Fitzpatrick to be an above-average, or not even above-average game manager. Just a game-managing quarterback. He doesn't need to be the Ryan Tannehill to kind of make the plays and make these big throws. He doesn't need to be the Baker Mayfield. He just needs to be a solid quarterback out there. And that's what we don't know he can do because he is a gunslinger. He's always been a career backup. He just lets it fly loosey-goosey when we look at all these interceptions folks it's a lot of interceptions 169 interceptions multiple you know you know I mean just look at these interception totals throughout his career in a six well, well we're only going to really focus on 16 game seasons from this man because that's pretty much what we're going to get from him he's going to be the starter and I really don't see Taylor Heineke uh, challenging him for a spot until Ron Rivera gets fed up with the lack of production that Ryan Fitzpatrick has kind of shown in his career yes I don't want to knock Ryan Fitzpatrick because there's a difference between backup and starting quarterbacks in this league folks backup quarterbacks you really are only expected to kind of be kind of a 50 50 we just need you out there just in case our quarterback goes down so you know Ryan Fitzpatrick is a really great backup he can win you those games you get you know an above kind of 50 percent chance to win a game if Ryan Fitzpatrick is your backup quarterback your quarterback goes down Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to step up he can do that I've got no problem with betting on Ryan Fitzpatrick you know starting one game here two games here I've got no problem with that but for doing a full 60 game schedule that's just not his play he's a career backup he knows he has to sling it he has nothing to lose so when he goes and plays as a starting quarterback he still has all those kind of you know um, rhythms and routines of not successful play as a starter but successful play as a backup so that's where we're a little concerned with Ryan Fitzpatrick but we'll see if he can kind of you know silence us silence you know the doubt from us as we see him in training camp and as we see him in preseason in the first couple weeks but you know the 10 and 6 season in 2015 with the Jets this is what I think the Washington football team is probably going to be their ceiling maybe 10 and 7 maybe 11 and 6 maybe something like that
And I don't know if that's going to be enough to win the division with a loaded Cowboys team and a loaded, right now, Giants team. So it's going to be tough, and they need Ryan Fitzpatrick to be great. But in a 16-game season, touchdown and interception ratio. Here we go, 24 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. That's absolutely trash, folks. He led the league in interceptions that year, and you cannot be doing that. That's Jameis Winston, folks. One for one, you know, even high numbers, one for one. 24 for 23, 35 for 30. It's still too high, and it doesn't result in the wins. As we said, 6-10. and 10. And he also only threw for 3,800 yards in a full 16-game season. Y'all know we don't like that. We want to see at least 4,000. Then the following year, 2012, once again, went 6-10, and 10, and he cut down the interceptions, 24 touchdowns, but still 16 interceptions. We want to see 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio, and that's his, you know, basically 1.5. That's not what we're looking for. And once again, he only threw for 3,400 yards and 60% completion percentage. Not great. Then his last full 16-game season in 2015, his best year record-wise. But once again, 3,900 yards, so still not getting to that 4,000-yard pace. 59% completion percentage, real, real bad. And 31-15 to 15 touchdown and interception ratio, which is still good. That's 2-1. to one. That's what we're talking about. But, and it's still, you know, reached a ceiling of 10-6. and six. So... We're a little concerned on Ryan Fitzpatrick being a winnable, good winnable quarterback for this Washington team, but we'll see what he has. Defense is still solid. Now let's see what we've got here. What do we got to go next at? We got to look at this. Uh, let's bring up what they have done in this offseason, Washington. What have they gotten? Um, what are they looking like? What do they lose? So let's see what we got here for Washington in the offseason, and then we can look at who they drafted. All right, so here we go. Washington in the offseason, they added and resigned Adam Humphreys. Now, that's going to be a good wide receiver target for Ryan Fitzpatrick and just this Washington D team in general. General, let's uh, bring up uh, Adam Humphreys' career stats. Sorry for all that stumbling through that sentence. Jeez. Um, here we go. Adam Humphreys, a nice 5'11 wide receiver, spent his entire uh, career with the Tampa Bay Bucks in Tennessee, and he's never been a 1,000-yard wide receiver. He hit 18, or 800 in 2018 with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But once again, look at these catch percentages, folks. This is what we're talking about. Reliable catcher out here. Uh, I'm just going to rattle him off here for his entire career, starting at 2015 to 2020 for six years. Here we go. First year, 67%, 66%, 73, 72, 78 in 2019, and then 65 in uh, last season. So he's still a reliable catcher out there. And with Adam Humphreys, he just needs to be the number two because we got Terry McLaurin being the number one, who's absolutely fantastic. He broke 1,000 yards his rookie year. Uh, let's get uh, Terry McLaurin. Lauren stats up really quickly so we can kind of you know assume Terry McLaurin's truly going to get it done here and with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball I mean folks I mean this man had Dwayne Haskins Nick Foles and Taylor Heineke throwing him the ball three different quarterbacks and he still was able to get oh he's going into his third year my apologies I thought last year was rookie year uh but I mean 900 yards rookie year 1100 yards last season he has 64 percent uh, catch percentage last season but once again I mean you're catching balls from three kind of not great quarterbacks so we can kind of understand these stats but that 1100 yards with three different quarterbacks I mean that is elite folks that is elite 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 we give Terry McLaurin a lot of credit. So expect him to really step it up even more, getting a consistent thrower of the football that likes to take the, take the chances, that like to sling it around. Terry McLaurin could be having a real great year. So watch out for him. All righty, what else do we have here? All right, so they brought in Adam Humphreys. They got Brandon Sheriff um, as their offensive lineman guard. They bring in Curtis Samuel, who is absolutely very, very good as well. Teddy Bridgewater was able to get him a 1,000-yard season. 
Um, he is on the PUP list uh, as training camp begins, but he should be definitely ready to rock as uh, week one um, is here. So we got Curtis Samuel out here last season. Or he only had 800. Curtis Samuel only had 851 yards. Who was it? There was two wide receivers that had 1,000 yards. And then still, you know, wide receiver three here, Curtis Samuel, 800 yards. That's still real good with getting the ball thrown to him by Teddy Bridgewater. So, once again, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, kind of the same a little bit and what they can do. So, uh, you know, once again, this is some solid wide receiver depth here for this Washington team. Reels three good. You got the elite A one tier one in Terry McLaurin, and then you still got solid tier twos, Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphrey. So that's what Washington's working with. Fantastic. What else do we get here? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like we know, and then William Jackson the third. Were we able to bring up his? Um, we want to see what he can do against the big, the big names, the big dogs. So he played in most of the games last season. So let's see what William Jackson did at the cornerback position. Looks like he was on the Bengals last season. So was he shutting down the A1 Tier 1 wide receivers? Is this man a good, solid defensive cornerback for this Washington team? Here we go. Against Keenan Allen, 6 of 10 for 57 yards and one pass breakup. That's a solid kind of breakup there, solid kind of lockdown. That's good coverage. Against OBJ, 3 of 4 for 67 yards. That's a little bit of a burn. Against DJ Chark for the Jags, 5 of 6 for 63 yards. Not terrible. Miles Boykin for the Ravens, one of three for nine yards, great. T.Y. Hilton, one of five for 20 yards, a pick and a breakup. That's absolutely fantastic. Against A.J. Brown of the Titans, four of seven for 69 yards and a pick. Not terrible overall, solid work. Against Terry McLaurin, all right, who, I mean, this is the team he's on now. Against Terry McLaurin, five of eight for 87 yards and two pass breakups. A little bit of a burn there. He got kind of burned there a little bit. Against Deontay Johnson, 5 of 7 for 88 yards. Little bit of a burn there. Against Darius Slayton, 1 of 5 for 11 yards. Great lockup. Against Devontae Parker, 4 of 10 for 70 yards, but he had three pass breakups. That's overall uh, average-ish. Um, you give up 4 for 70. I mean, that's more than 10 yards a catch, And but you give up less than 50% completion and three pass breakups. It's just unfortunate you got burned for a lot of yards. Against Amari Cooper, 1 of 4 for 20 yards and a pass breakup. That's fantastic. Against Brandon Cooks, 1 of 4 for 50 yards. He gave up one pass for 50 yards, geez, and one pass breakup. So overall, not bad. This is a solid kind of tier 2 corner. We'll take this. So a solid, another solid pickup to beef up this Washington defense that was already really gosh dang good in the passing game. Love this. All righty. What else do we get here? Who do they lose? They lost uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, a linebacker. They lose Ronald Darby, a cornerback. So they bring in a quarterback, lose one. And then they bring in, or they also lose Ryan Kerrigan, their long uh, kind of term player out there, an edge rusher. Alrighty, let's see where this Washington offensive line ranked last season. They don't have an elite runner. They have Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick could potentially be a really solid kind of running back by committee. Antonio Gibson, 795 yards last season, where J.D. JD McKissick ran for 365. So we need J.D. JD McKissick. I mean, if you're going to do running back by committee, I need to see both running backs like 700 yards. So we'll see if kind of J.D. McKissick can get his uh, kind of act up a little bit and we can potentially get a solid running back by committee. Nothing like a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but, you know, a solid tier two-ish running back by committee. But let's uh, see what pro football focus ranks the Washington offensive line going back to last season. So let's see what we get. This was updated January 6, 2021, so, you know, after the Super Bowl and all that, or before the Super Bowl, but <clears throat> at the end of the regular season. 
So here we go. Where do they rank this offensive line for Washington? Here we go. Number one was Browns, two was Packers, three was Rams, four was Patriots, five was Bucks, six is the Washington football team. So that's the top 10 offensive line. And let's see what Pro Football Focus is saying. So here we go. Coming in at 29th on the preseason edition of these rankings. Wow. Washington presents one of the biggest surprises of the regular season with their play up front. The biggest question mark coming into the year surrounded who would win the left tackle job. Jerron Christian won the job and started there for six games before being placed on IR with a knee injury. Still, his replacement, Cornelius Lucas, actually provides some stability at the position with a 78.3 overall grade and an 83.1 grade in pass protection, protection that ranked 11th at the position overall in the regular season. Solid play from Lucas and Wes Schwitzer on the left side. Paired with a top 10 grades from each Chase Roulier and Brandon Sharif and Morgan Moses at the starting at the other starting spots resulted in a much improved group from a season ago. Roulier recently got his long-term extension to stay in Washington and Sharif will be looking for the same this offseason. So let's see what their offensive line is. Do they still have, still have all these good players? Sharif, Roulier, Morgan Moses. Jerron Christian. So let's see what their offensive line is looking like. Because if it's still the same, we can still definitely buy this team. Um, did I not bring up the Washington? Oh, yeah, right. We got back up here. Okay. Here we go. Offensive lineman. We got Charles Leno Jr. We still got Wes Schwitzer. We got Chase Louis, uh, Roulet. We got Brandon Sharef. And then we got Sam Cosme. Uh, we still got Cornelius Lucas, but he is listed as out. So all those um, offensive linemen are still there. They didn't lose a key offensive lineman, and they actually brought in one, um, as we saw here. And... Um, Brandon Schrupp, they brought that man back. So, fantastic. So, Washington football team offensive line. Expect that still to be kind of a solid offensive line for the running game and to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, we can buy into this team a little bit more. The final thing to kind of, uh, the final two things to look at is their draft. What did they get in the draft? What did they focus on? Let's quickly see. All righty, they go linebacker first pick. First round pick, Jamin Davis, linebacker. All righty. Then they go another offensive tackle, Samuel Cosme. So we'll see, you know, once again, just bolstering that offensive line, having that kind of rotation ability if needed, that depth if needed. And we're looking at a real solid line, even if something happens to somebody, gosh forbid, uh, let's uh, knock on wood that this offensive line can stay healthy. Then they go to Benjamin St. Juiced. A cornerback, third round. They also get Deami Brown, a wide receiver in the third round as well. A 6-1 wide receiver. Let's see if he can kind of work his way up into that rotation. Fourth round, we get John Bates, a tight end. Oh, y'all know we love the tight end. 6-5, we love that. Not invited to tight end university, but we'll see if he gets there next year. Derek Force in the fifth round of safety. We get a long snapper in the sixth round, and they had three seventh-round picks, a linebacker, a defensive end, and another wide receiver who's 6'1", solid. So we'll see if any of those kind of big names make an impact. But the first three rounds, bringing a linebacker, an offensive tackle, and a corner, shoring up all those things that need to be shored up. So once again, this Washington team can have a real solid defense with, once again, a real solid offensive line. So very, very great here. Now the last thing to read here is their overall off-season grade given by Bleacher Report. Let's see what Bleacher Report is saying about this Washington football team. So here we go. Once again, the key additions, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, William Jackson, Daryl Roberts, Adam Humphreys, and Tyler Larson. Key um, draft additions, like we said, the linebacker, the offensive tackle, and the wide receiver, De'Ami Brown. 
and the key departures, Ronald Darby, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and Fabian Moray, another corner. So they filled in all those corner spots through the draft and through free agency. Now let's see what this little three-paragraph write-up is all about. So here we go. Don't tell anyone, but I think Darby, who's making $10 million a year in Denver, is a better player than Jackson, who's making $13.5 million a year in Washington in it and is a year older. Interesting. All righty. So we just kind of praised Dar- um, Jackson for being solid in covering the key defender or key wide receivers out there. The Washington football team is silly to take Davis over Christian Derrissaw, Rashad Bateman, and even second-round linebacker Jeremiah Uwusu-Koromoa. Oh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is a ridiculous purchase at $10 million. We all know his ceiling, and it isn't what the Washington football team should be aiming for based on the talent they have on defense. But you just need Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of be that game manager, and that's what Fitzpatrick struggles with being a game manager, but he gives you production offensively. He's able to give you points production offensively, and if the defense is great, you know, having Ryan Fitzpatrick, having short fields and all that, we think he can capitalize. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's still a little bit of a wild card. We're going to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. He could work out for the system. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the worst quarterback here for Washington. So I don't agree with uh, Bleacher Reports kind of shitting on Ryan Fitzpatrick. We shit on Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier, but, I, you know, having that great defense and just having Ryan Fitzpatrick to sling this ball around, it could work out big time for Washington. So we'll see. They've got good value for Cosme in the second round, but he's going to need time and not enough when it was done in general to boost the offensive line, the receiving depth, or the secondary. I think the receiving depth is real solid. I think I can believe in Curtis Samuel and you know Adam Humphreys. I think we can buy into them. Um, I think the offensive line was good last season, and once again, they just bolstered it up a little bit. They got the offense. They got him in the draft, so they don't need him to come out and be a one tier one right off the rip. But you know he could be. So I'm not kind of buying this Bleacher Reports kind of digs on this Washington team overall. Washington didn't get significantly worse, but I'm sure it got much, but I'm not sure it got much better, which is a shame because there was a room to do exactly that. So I thought they did get a little bit better. They got some wide receiver depth. I think it's solid depth, obviously nothing to kind of write home about, but Terry McLaurin can just be your main man. Curtis Samuels, real solid. He was the third wide receiver last year in Carolina and still got great production. Now he's coming into, you know, wide receiver number two here. Expect that production to be a thousand yards and that's exactly what we're looking for. So Logan Thomas is also another solid tight end. So, and Ryan Fitzpatrick can make the throws. He can make the throws. He is a gunslinger. So, we'll see, folks. If they got an easy schedule, this Washington team can be pretty solid. Good offensive line, real solid defense, and Ryan Fitzpatrick just needs to be the game manager. Hopefully, he doesn't try to kind of, you know, do too much and kind of prove everybody, be like, hey, this is what we don't need to see from Ryan Fitzpatrick is like a, hey, like, y'all slept on me for this long. I'm just going to go out and kind of sling it around and just, like, absolutely bomb this ball every single throw on every single play. We don't need that. Just Take what's open, do your job, be the game manager, and Washington could potentially win this division, potentially. All right, so now the last thing to do here is look at their schedule and count how many wins we can see from this Washington team. Here we go. Starting week one with the Chargers. That's a real solid winnable game here. They are at home 
and they, you know, facing, you know, a new head coach with the Chargers, with Justin Herbert, you know, expect him to be good, but it's week one. I'm going to give the Washington football team a win week one at home. Fantastic. Then they go out and face the Giants week two, once again, at home. And I'm probably going to have them split the season series here with the Giants, but with Saquon Barkley still not, you know, having a timetable, nothing that's been spoken, Saquon Barkley not be, may not be there week two. I'm going to give Washington, that defense holds it up week two against the Giants at home. And it's on Thursday Night Football. Once again, the home team there. This is a potential real solid start here for Washington. Then they go out and have to go on the road against the Bills. That's not winnable. I'm sorry. <laughs> the defense may be solid, but it's Josh Allen. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick having history with the Bills maybe tries to do a little bit too much. So they lose against the Bills. Then they go in Atlanta and face Atlanta. Now that's going to be a real tough game. But that is a winnable game for this Washington team, folks. That defense can lock it up. Um, you know, this Atlanta Falcons, I like. I would like to think it's going to be very, very good. But, you know, it hasn't been yet seen with the new head coach, Arthur Smith, without Julio Jones and, you know, with this lackluster running game. So I'm going to give them a win over Atlanta on the road week, uh, week four. Then they are at home against the Saints. I can give them a win against that Saints team, folks. I mean, that offense without Michael Thomas and you're going to be having this Washington defense. I'm all about it and at home for wins. Then they're at home against the Chiefs, which is obviously where you want to face them at your home stadium, but I can't give them a win there. Then they have to go at Lambeau and go and face the Packers. Can't give them a win there. Then they go on the road and face Denver. Now, I think this is going to be a real great team. Mile High Stadium, I think, affects Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit. I don't think I can give them this Denver win. It is a winnable game. And if we're looking for maybe another win out here, we can give them this Denver game. It is a winnable game. I'm just not going to give it to them. Um, then they're on a bye. Then they have to go and face the Bucks. Can't give them a win there. Then they go at the Panthers on the road to the Panthers. I can give them a win there all day. That's a winnable game. I do not buy into Sam Darnold at all. So now we got five wins. Then they go and face the Seahawks at home on Monday Night Football. This is another winnable game because it's primetime at home. I can give them potentially a win there, but I'm not going to. Then they are on the road against the Raiders. That's going to be a real tough game. They can win that game. I don't think they do. Then they're at home against the Cowboys. They probably split against the Cowboys just because division rival, big history there. Um, so I'll give them a win against the Cowboys. I'll Then they face... The Eagles on the road, I'm not going to give them a win there. I'm probably going to have them kind of splitting their series against the Eagles. I'll have them winning their home game. Then they go on the road against Dallas. Once again, splitting the series, gave them a win for their home field. Won't give them a win for their road. Then they're uh, at home against the Eagles. I'll have them another win there. And then they face the Giants the last week of the season. Once again, on the road, probably don't give them a win there, splitting their seasons here. So we've got seven wins here. Alrighty for Washington. If we're looking for an eighth, I'm going to give them the Broncos one. If we're looking for a ninth, we're looking at the Raiders. So this is, I'm going to kind of give them eight wins total. I'm going to beef up their wins by one more there. Uh, because of that Broncos game potentially. So this is an 8-9 and nine season. Potentially even more. I mean you can sweep. I mean it's not out of the realm that they go out and sweep the Eagles or sweep the Giants. So that's a potential another win. And I'm going to give them 9 actually now. We're going to bump it up to 9 wins. Um, so this is a winnable workable schedule 100%. The hardest teams I have to face are the Bills, the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bucks. Four real tough games that they probably don't win. So I mean you know. 
the ceiling here for the Washington football team is 12 wins. That's their ceiling. Uh, do they reach that? Most likely not. Uh, but a winnable, workable schedule, and we're going to have them going 9-8 and eight this season. I think that's real quality for the schedule. Eight, so- eight solid wins going – no, nine solid wins going 9-8. and eight. So let's write, uh, write up this Washington team on our list. 9-7. and seven. Record. I'm going to put the note in here. Ceiling is 12. Nope. 13 and 4. That four game that 17 game season, folks. So this is uh this is a solid kind of Washington team. I'm gonna put them. Whew, I don't know. Do I put them above the Broncos or do I put them below the Broncos? Now, the Broncos, I believe in their quarterback. I don't know. Should I believe in Teddy Bridgewater a little bit more than Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't know. I think they're real similar, folks. Uh, The defense, I think I give a leg up to Washington. And the head coach, I think I give the leg up to Washington. So even though we predicted the Broncos to go 10-7, 11-6, and say the Washington team is going 9-7, I think overall I'm going to buy into this Washington team just a slightly bit more than this Broncos team overall. So we'll have the Washington football team going nine and seven and above the Broncos and above the Saints on our working team list so far. Alrighty, folks, uh, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing another team refresher. We'll see what the wheel has in store for us tomorrow. All right, so let's see if there is anything breaking. Does not seem looking like it. Ooh, Emmanuel Sanders on Josh Allen. Would love to read that quote tomorrow. Cannot wait to see what he says. We're big on Josh Allen this season. Hopefully hopefully he can keep up that level of play. That's absolutely fantastic that we saw last season. Uh, But it doesn't seem like anything is breaking, so that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We are back tomorrow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um... Damn, Amanda Nunez tested positive for COVID, canceling her fight against uh, Juliana Pena that was scheduled for UFC 265. Unfortunate. Amanda Nunez is an absolute monster, folks. She's probably the best female UFC fighter that there is. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see her in her uh, next fight. Unfortunate. All right, folks. Now we're out of here. We're done. We're done. We're out. We're done. Tomorrow we're back. Tomorrow we're back. Right now we're done.